our body's going downhill <laughs> after 30. And uh seems like it hit me the most in my 50s, but uh, we won't have to worry about any of that stuff anymore. I'm glad that uh, I know the one who saved us from our sins, and by his grace, he did that. It's by grace through faith that we're saved, not of works, lest any man should boast. You better believe we'd be boasting if we were able to save ourselves. God knows us. He knows our flesh. And he knew that without him, we were hopeless and helpless. And so uh, one of these days, there'll be no more of this sickness and pain, no more parting. And uh, we won't have to worry about funerals anymore and nursing homes and laying in hospital beds and having treatments and these old bones cracking and popping and legs not working, hands numb. And I could go on and on and on. We all know it. It happens to us all. But uh, I'm thankful that one day we won't have to worry with all that. And there'll be a place of, of splendor and glory. Let me give me a, a small drink of water here. feel like the camel this morning. I can drink a whole bunch of water. I guess. I don't know what a camel feels like. But, but I do have a message this morning. And actually I prayed and asked the Lord if it be all right if we bring a message about the Lord's Supper. And uh, he agreed, as far as I could tell, as far as uh, the Holy Spirit led me. And so we're going to be taking our text out of the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 22. I'm going to look at verses 14 through 20, and then we'll have some more verses we'll be looking at as well. But our main text will be out of Luke 22, 14 through 20. And when, you're, when you get there, if you're able to stand, would you please stand the reading of God's word, Luke 22, starting with verse 14. And here the Bible says, And when the hour was come, he sat down, and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this. And divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper saying, This cup is the new testament in my blood which is shed for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for the reading of your word this morning. I'm praying that you'll help us. So we try to preach for just a little while on this message, God, that you'll be glorified in it. We'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> These verses that we just read mark a very significant time in the lives of Jesus' apostles. Uh, not only their lives, but our lives as well, because it marked a, a turning point. Uh, they had no idea when they gathered there in that room that the Lord had them prepare for this occasion what was going to go on. And um, it was a surprise to all of them. And so uh, as they gather up there, um, the Bible says it was the time of Passover. <clears throat> now, we know that the time of Passover is when the Jews observed when they were freed from uh, Egypt's bondage. Uh, the Israelites, when uh, Pharaoh finally let them go. Uh, quickly, I just want to uh, point out a few things about the Passover so that we keep it on our mind. But uh, in that event, if you remember, God sent Moses down there and told him to tell Pharaoh to let his people go. 
and he kept refusing that he would say he would, and then he changed his mind and, and all that. And so the Lord decided he's going to send ten plagues on that place, uh, and one would just be worse than the next. And, of course, there was the water turned to blood, the first thing. And uh, what a terrible thing that must have been. And then the frogs and then the lice, the flies, the moraine where all the livestock got sick and died. And then the bulls, the hail, the locusts, the darkness. But the, the tenth and final one was the death of the firstborn. And this plague was the one that finally changed uh, Pharaoh's mind. And it was at that point he decided he would let God's people go. And so the Lord told the people to prepare for this event, and they were instructed on what to do. And so they were to prepare a, uh, uh, a lamb, an unspotted lamb. We call that the Passover lamb. But it was to be without blemish. They were to slaughter this lamb and then to paint the doorposts and lintels of their homes. So when the death angel come through, he would see the blood marked on that house, and he would pass over them. And so we get the word Passover as the death angel passed over those people. Uh, we sometimes sing that uh, song out, out of the hymn book there in the church hymnal. I will pass, I will pass over you. And so after all that happened, and Pharaoh then decided he would certainly let the people go after all the uh, the deaths that occurred, and they had to depart very quickly. Uh, they knew that at any time Pharaoh could change his mind, but they needed to get up and get out of there because it was time for them to go. And that's what's referred to as the Exodus, when uh, God's people exited out of Egypt and uh, toward the Promised Land. And uh, they left so fast, in fact, that they did not have time for their bread to rise, so they had unleavened bread. And that was uh, bread that's, that's baked without the leaven in it, and it's called matzah. They called that matzah bread. Uh, we had a, uh, a Jewish, um, uh, he was a missionary to the Jews. He wasn't a Jew himself, a brother Ron Plott out of, uh, out of Crown College and Temple. And we had him as a missionary, and he was a missionary to the Jews. And he came and demonstrated that whole process of when they would partake of, of this. And we ate some of that unleavened bread and some of the other things they had. And so... At this point, when um, Jesus is there in that room with all of his disciples, he is turning this event or this observance from the Passover of the Jews into uh, a new covenant. He calls it the New Testament of his blood. And so it's a new covenant that he is instituting, and we refer to that as the Lord's Supper. Now, this is for his believers, and only his believers. It's not for unbelievers. And Christ himself represents the Passover lamb. He's the perfect, unspotted, unblemished uh, lamb of God. His blood is the atoning sacrifice to atone for our sins. Uh, you can imagine his blood, it wasn't applied to our lintels and doorposts, but it's applied to our heart. And so when the death angel comes and he looks at us, he can see the blood of Jesus applied to our hearts and pass over us. And so I'm thankful for that today. But uh, because of this, it allows us to enter into the kingdom of God. The, the Israelites were wanting to enter into the promised land. Well, we are too. We want to enter into that land that God promised us, God's kingdom. And one of these days we'll be there. We just sing about it, how beautiful heaven's going to be. And, you know, there's two ordinances of the, the New Testament church. Uh, uh, this is a New Testament church, by the way. If you didn't know that, it's what this is. Because we're from the New Testament of Christ's blood, his New Testament, as he just said there. 
And uh, this is a Baptist church, and that's very important. Uh, you know, if somebody says, well, there won't be any denominations in heaven. No, but you ought to be in the right one while you're on earth. And so there's two ordinances that we agree with that the Lord uh, gave us, and one is baptism, of course. That's without question. Matthew 28, 19 through 20, Jesus said, Go ye therefore teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And so that was his commission to us uh, to go out, witness the people, they get saved, and then they follow that up with baptism. And so that's one of the ordinances. And uh, there's many other references to baptism. But this morning, our hearts and attention are focused upon what we refer to as the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper. Now, some people refer to this as communion. There's nothing wrong with that. If that's what you prefer to do, that's fine. Uh, I don't ever really use that word. I always just refer to this service as the Lord's Supper service. And uh, actually, Paul refers to it as that in his writing to Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 10 and 16, he refers to communion. He says in uh, 1 Corinthians 10 16, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ, the bread which we break? It is, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? So that word communion, it simply means fellowship is what it means. It means a joining. And so when we commune with Christ, that means we become one with him. And so we're communing with him. We have fellowship with him. Now, when you sin and you've not repented of that sin, you're the one that's breaking this kind of fellowship with him. You didn't lose your salvation when you sin. You don't lose your salvation. But you, you start breaking away from that fellowship. And it's you doing it. It's not him doing it. You're pulling away from him. And so that's why, uh, as Brother Scott taught in Sunday school this morning, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All we simply have to do is say, Lord... You know, I've sinned, forgive me. And the Bible says he's faithful and just to do that. And so uh, the Lord's Supper, most Baptists refer to it as that. Uh, it's an observance of this occasion. Now, Paul also calls it the Lord's Supper as well as communion. In 1 Corinthians 11 and 20, he says, When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. And so he was talking about those occasions. They were coming together and, and getting crazy. They were getting drunk. They were uh, eating before the others. Those without food didn't have any, and the rich people were eating up. And he said, you didn't come in here to take of the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is communion. It's fellowship together. You guys are in here, uh, you know, doing, doing what's wrong. And so uh, the Gospel of John also says this after Jesus and his disciples ate. In John 13 and 4, it says, he rises from supper. And laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. And so that's right after what we just read right here. After they partook of the Lord's Supper, uh, the Bible says that he rose from supper. He rises from supper. And coincidentally, that is why I always refer to the last meal of the day as supper. That and I was taught that when I was a kid. But uh, supper is the last meal. Dinner is what most people call lunch. And breakfast. Breakfast, dinner, and supper. That's what we called it. If it's good enough for the Lord, it's good enough for me. So uh, the Lord's Supper, of course, is observed in different ways by different denominations. Uh, Baptist, um, Methodist to, to a point, Presbyterians more so like us. But uh, other denominations uh, such as Catholics, Anglicans, Lutherans, um, some Methodists and some Presbyterians, they actually use real wine in their 
Lord's Supper service. My sister used to be the pianist for uh, Millertown Lutheran Church. Uh, they were paying her to be the pianist there. She wasn't a member. She was just going to play the piano. And when they had the Lord's Supper, they would prepare it in the back, and the guy serving it would sit back there and drink the wine before the, the service. And then they would come out staggering, handing out the, the elements. And so, uh, uh, look, uh, we don't do that. We as Baptists, we usually have the little cracker and the thimble-sized cup of Welch's grape juice. Uh, and by the way, uh, just for your information, back in 1860s, a Methodist minister is actually the one who created Welch's grape juice. His name was Dr. Thomas Bramwell Welch. And he was concerned about what I was just talking about, people getting drunk off of the Lord's Supper. And he wanted a way that uh, we could have a, a symbol of the Lord's blood and it still be of the, the grapevine. And so he came up with a way to pasteurize Grape juice. And he created Welch's Grape Juice Company. And so from 1860, uh, 1869 was actually the very first service that was held in a Methodist church in New Jersey where they used Welch's Grape Juice in their Lord's Supper service. And so you can thank a Methodist for that if you'd like to. And like Paul Harvey said, now you know the rest of the story. <laughs> But as Baptists, we consider these elements, of course, that we use in the Lord's Supper to be symbolic. Catholics do not. The Catholics believe they are actual, literal flesh and blood of Christ, that their priest blesses them, and those elements actually turn into Christ's flesh and Christ's blood, although they still taste like crackers and wine. Um, you know, they, they have a lot of different thoughts, like they do that, the Anglicans do that, the Lutherans do that. And they refer to it as the Eucharist. They don't say communion or the Lord's Supper. They call it the Eucharist, and that word simply means thanksgiving. And when the service that they have for that is called Mass. And um, that includes the communion and other things. Now, we went to a funeral at a Catholic church uh, for one of our uh, friends that uh, his mother passed away. We went to that funeral, and they had Mass at the funeral. And they had their their uh, priest come down, and he had uh, he had a big old cup, and everybody drank out of the same cup. And me and Mary said, "Nuh-uh, we ain't doing that." And so they would put the the wafer on their tongue, and they they would drink out of that cup, all of them sharing it together. And then COVID hit, and so uh, look, we don't do that. The Catholics they say that since Jesus said that the, his, uh, the bread was his body and the, uh, the, the wine was his blood, then he literally transformed those things into that, into his actual flesh and blood. And they call that transubstantiation. It's a big old long word for them that they use, and uh, that's what they, they say it is. And so they believe that after their priest blesses the bread, blesses the wine, that it literally becomes the flesh and blood of Jesus, but still retains the look and smell and taste of bread and wine. Now, if that is not the craziest thing you've ever heard, I don't know what is. Uh, one of the reasons they believe that is because of misinterpretation of the Scriptures. And let me, let me explain that to you. If you want to look at it in John chapter 6, verses 51 through 66, they misinterpret this passage, just like a lot of people did when Jesus said these words. John 6 and 51, Jesus said, I am the living bread which came down from heaven, if any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. 
The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? See, it's it's as crazy the question you've ever heard. Verse 53, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna, and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that the disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? Now, pay attention here from this point on. What, and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. So, now this passage, of course, is not referring to the Lord's Supper. It had not been instituted yet at that time. It would be a little later on. Uh, but... Uh, even so, there in verse 63, Jesus himself said, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit. In other words, this is a spiritual thing that these people needed to comprehend. He didn't mean I'm going to literally come down here and rip the flesh off of my body and cause you to eat it. I'm not going to drain my blood and let you drink it. In fact, that goes against everything the Bible teaches of it being literal. So these are spiritual matters, not physical. The eating of the flesh and drinking the blood are symbolizing those who believe in him. If you believe in him, then you've drunk of his blood. You've ate of his flesh. You believe in him. And they symbolize life. The flesh and blood symbolize life. And those that believe on him have eternal life. Now, he made this possible by the shedding of his blood on Mount Calvary. We always go around and talk about how salvation is free, and it is to us, but it costs Jesus everything. It's the most expensive thing that has ever been purchased in the history of man. The blood of Jesus paid for it. Now, as we read in our opening text in Luke 22 and 19 through 20, it says, And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Likewise, also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. So there, Jesus even himself is saying, These represent my flesh. These represent my blood. They're not my actual flesh and blood. So no, we don't believe these elements down here of the Lord's Supper are literal flesh and blood. They're symbolic of his flesh and blood. And that's why we usually say we're observing the Lord's Supper. We're observing it. Now, having said that, though, the Lord's Supper is not just a symbolic uh, service. It's a sacred and powerful reminder of the price Jesus paid for our salvation. We need to remember that every time you partake of the Lord's Supper, remember what it's for. 
and it's sacred, and it's powerful. Uh, It is a covenant meal that unites us as Christians. As I said at the beginning, only saved people are to observe the Lord's Supper, Uh, not the lost, because the lost are not in fellowship with Christ. The lost are not part of him. It's a meal that calls us to remember his sacrifice and to proclaim his death and anticipate his return. And so all of this uh, is so symbolic of the things that we're looking for. And But it's not just those things that we look back at that he did for us, but it's also those things that we look forward to that Christ is doing for us now and will do for us in the future. Jesus said, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And so we're certainly looking for the kingdom of God to come. I'm looking for the Lord to rapture us out of here. I know that word's not in the Bible, rapture, but to catch us up, uh, to take us up. I'm looking forward to that. I'd love for that to happen before I die. I'd love to see that occur, just the the bodies rising up, meeting him in the air on the cloud of glory. What a a time. But in these words, Jesus said that he, he won't drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. They remind us that the Lord's Supper is looking forward to that time in anticipation. If you remember there in our opening text, what did Jesus tell his disciples there? He said, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you. And so it was a great desire for him to do this. It's not something to be taken lightly. I mean, this was one of the most important things that Jesus left for us to remember and to observe. The Lord's Supper is a sacred covenant between God and his church. Only people that are saved are members of the church. Now, I know some people join the church, families join, and some of those may not be saved, and we say, well, they belong to such and such church. But to actually belong to the Lord's church, you must be saved. Uh, it, and this Lord's Supper is an expression of God's grace and his love and his forgiveness and our redemption. Our salvation, uh, as we partake of these elements, which we will here in just a few minutes, we're reaffirming our faith in Christ and our commitment to follow him. And we need to remember that as well. A lot of times we forget, you know, Lord, I'm glad I'm saved. And we just go on about our merry way. But we need to remember that we made a, a covenant with him. Lord, I now live for you. I live in you. Christ in me. Christ is in us. And so uh, it is a holy observance. It's not something that we should just flippantly do or take lightly or, uh, you know, to just uh, act like it's no big deal. It is a big deal. It's a huge deal. Now, I know discussing with Brother Scott, uh, normally this church does it every fifth Sunday, every time there's a fifth uh, Sunday that partake of the Lord's Supper. The Bible doesn't instruct us on the exact times to do it. It just says as often as you drink, as often as you do. And so you can do it at any time you like. I always like to do it around uh, Easter and, and Christmas and, and things like that. And uh, certainly Fifth Sunday is a, is a great time to do it. But uh, it is a holy observance. Uh, the Apostle Paul, when he's writing to the church at Corinth, he makes sure that he emphasizes that fact of the gravity of the holiness. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty seven through 29, it says, Wherefore? Whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, 
not discerning the Lord's body. And so certainly we don't want to do this unworthily. Uh, we must first examine our hearts. Lord, is my heart right with you? And uh, I'm holding a grudge against my brother. We talked about it. Brother Scott talked about it in Sunday school this morning. You know, how can you say you, you love your or you hate somebody and, and love your brother? Uh, the Bible says uh, you're a liar if you say that. You're not in fellowship if you're saying that. So we need to examine our hearts. We need to repent of our sins before we partake of the Lord's Supper. And so we approach it with reverence, gratitude, humility. And remember, it's a sacred time to remember the awful price that Jesus paid on Calvary for our salvation. And uh, we're not merely partaking in a cracker and, and grape juice, but we're actually are, we are communing with Christ. We are having fellowship with him because we are in a relationship with the Lord Jesus. Now, something I always do before we partake of the, of the elements is to give a few minutes for everyone to search their heart, for to, to pray within yourself. You don't have to uh, repent out loud. You don't have to tell anybody your sins, or even don't. Certainly, you don't have to tell me. There's only one me- mediator between God and man, that man Christ Jesus, and He knows your heart. So all you got to do is is pray to Him within your heart, within your mind. And if there's anything there that would prevent you from taking the Lord's Supper worthily, then certainly we need to get that took care of. Uh, and um, I always do that before before we serve. But uh, as Brother Scott comes, we're going to uh, we're going to prepare the the table. And uh, I, I mentioned this the other day. Um, one of the things when taking it as is is an, uh, we are observing a very holy and reverent time. Um, we want to make sure we're not being a distraction to other people. Uh, like when you, you take of the juice, you don't just all of a sudden slam it down, you know, like next. <laughs> no, just hold on to it until after we pray or sing. Uh, always have a, a sing a hymn at, at the end of it uh, because the disciples went out uh, singing. And so uh, as Brother Scott comes, we're going to prepare this and then we will, we will serve.